What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another the No Regrets Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton, and as usual, I'm joined by my wife, Carla. Carla, what do we got going on today? Well, today we are going to do a follow-up to um, several weeks back. We asked listeners to send us in questions, topics they might be interested in, so we had some questions from that, we also have been in California recently and did a conference out there, and we had questions as a follow-up to the conference, and so we couldn't get to everything, so we told the group that we would um, cover these in a podcast. So these are going to be kind of varied, right? And I don't even know what all the questions are, So, but we're going to try to hit several of them today that um, hopefully will be some various topics that you may find of interest also. Yeah, so it's uh, some of these were asked at a conference, as Carla said. We probably aren't going to get to all of them tonight, and so there's a good chance we're going to do a follow-up podcast either this week or next. Uh, if you were one of those who asked a question, I hope we get to yours, and if not, be patient and uh, keep on listening and hoping you'll hear the answer to that sometime in the near future. All right, this is one that we got at our conference, and to be honest, when they asked it, it was like, I really wasn't expecting this question, and so I really wanted to think about it before answering it. And so we put it off and said, hey, we're going to do that, answer that question on a podcast, and it's this one. Hey, what are your thoughts on people who are Christian who practice ethical non-monogamy? And I have to admit that sort of threw me. Do you have to look that up? Yeah, I actually did. and I thought I knew what it was, but I wanted to make sure, and I probably wasn't exactly. When I looked up, there's something, another word came up was, polyamory. Now, it may sound something like polygamy, but it's not. Polygamy, we know, is when someone is actually married to more than one spouse. Probably the most common form we see of that is a husband with multiple wives. Um, It's not necessarily what some people would call swinging, which is people that just have, you know, partners that agree that, hey, you can have, you know, mutual well, we can have affairs and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, but this is, from what I can understand, and I want to make sure we state this properly, it's somebody who, in this case, and I guess it may be a married person, you also see this happen among singles, not just married people, but it's somebody who, by agreement, they will bring other people into that relationship and that's romantically involved, and most pretty much every time sexually involved. Okay, wow, all right. And so uh, on that and using that is our definition. Uh, and we're assuming that's what they meant. We're assuming we, that's what they meant. we didn't talk to anybody about yeah, this. We this didn't, was just we a didn't, write-in. Yeah, and it really wasn't the thing to ask, oh, who asked that question? Can right. you explain more to us? Uh, almost on the first thing, and this is one thing my son said to me, he said, uh, really, it's almost like an oxymoron, the, the idea of ethical non-monogamy. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think the place we start is we start with Scripture as our source of truth. And I believe that truth is absolute, that it's not relative, even though much of our culture thinks that it is, that truth depends on what you personally believe. But either what we believe lines up with truth or it doesn't. 
there aren't multiple truths about this out there. Uh, there may be multiple beliefs, but that's not the same thing as multiple truths. And I think the truth of what Scripture says is any sexual relationship outside the bonds of marriage are sin. And I think that they're wrong. Um, now, you get people that talk about, well, they had different kind of marriage relationships in Scripture, and, and that's true. There are accounts of that, but there's never a time where God told them to do that or even affirmed that. It's recorded in there because it is a record. There's a historical aspect to it. And we do see key figures like Abraham. Um, we see uh, Jacob. We see David. We see Solomon, who the ultimate lots yeah, of marriages. And that yet, didn't you, really turn out well. Yeah, when you look at Scripture, they bring a lot of headaches to the situation. And a lot of the conflicts that you see in those relationships were caused because of those multiple spouses. Um, I think from the very beginning in Genesis, and I think Jesus reaffirms it in the New Testament, is that God's design for marriage is one man and one woman. Um, we get other people I know today that have this idea that Scripture is sort of this living document that changes with the culture and how we interpret it needs to change depending on the culture. And I don't see that. I think God's truth is timeless. And I think the principles it gives us are timeless as well. And I just don't see a place for that kind of relationship for Christians. Yeah. Um, I get if you're not, then you kind of going to do what you want to do and you kind of make your own rules, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think that is where you see it coming about within even within Christian circles in this idea that, hey, we need to reinterpret Scripture. We need to get away from the old fashioned interpretations, which I think that, hey, if the interpretation is truth, it's truth. It doesn't matter when it was given. Um, and I think a lot of it, and I think what you do see a lot is because I think you even see teachings within churches in this, it's almost like we don't want to offend people. Yeah. And we want our ears tickled. Yeah. We want to, we want to hear what we want We want people to tell us that, Hey, whatever I want to do, it's okay. okay. And you know, the truth is no human being is going to be the authority on that. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, as believers, you know, God's word is, like you said, it is going to be the ultimate end and truth, period. And we're going to answer to him and him alone. Yeah, so really, I just think within marriage, outside of marriage, you know, somebody's in a, you know, polyamory with multiple people and there's a sexual relationship involved there, that just falls into the category of sin, sex outside of marriage. Within a marriage relationship, even if it's, quote, adultery by permission, it's still adultery and it's still a sin. Well, and I think, again, I would have to say also that at the heart of marriage and what God intends and what we see in his word reflected in the, in the garden when God created it, and then even again affirmed in the New Testament throughout Scripture, 
if somebody is believing that, man, what I would say is you are missing what God intended. You are so missing the mystery of that union of one man and one woman together in oneness. There's something that it's sad, really, on a lot of levels, because I think you've missed what the totality of the marriage is supposed to be about. Yeah, and I think one of the things we often talk about is that marriage is one of the ultimate aims of it is a reflection of God's relationship to his people. And Jesus has one bride. And it's not, yes, it's made up of individuals, but they are seen as one, as the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And, you know, I think that gives us, sort of builds on that command of one man, one woman for marriage for life. All right. All right. Well, that was a heavy one. Yeah, that was a big one you to kick off with. The with. And uh, I wanted to just because it's one that uh, that conference we did in California. I mentioned that we were going to get to it. Uh, yeah, let's do a sort of a 180. Okay. Other direction. Turn. Okay. You were oh, about dear. to say something. No, I was going to say, yeah, throw something a little easier, maybe. Well, I don't know if it's easier. Okay. Hey, what if one spouse wants oh, to spank when it comes to parenting and discipline and one does not? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, let's say we're going to take this then, I'm guessing, a little more from the angle of the the marriage, not totally about child rearing and spanking or not spanking or all that. We're not experts on that. We can we can give you some guidance. We can give you some principles. Um, I'm sort of schooled in some of this, what I also do within my healthcare role and job and what I kind of do. I work with families all the time and do a lot of this as far as children go and development. But I think the at the heart of this is a couple we're assuming where they have a difference of opinion in, in the spanking piece. So we would probably say, one, you need to, at a time that you're calm, you're not emotionally upset about it, there's no immediate need to deal with one of your children, <laughs> um, whether it's spank or not, but the idea of where are you coming from? Like, did you yourself have an experience or did one of you where spanking was misappropriately done or utilized in your home? Did another one um, just have, for whatever reason, a, you know, a difference opinion and they thought it was very effective in the way their parents used it? Um, so there may be a reason for why somebody feels the way they do. And so I would say getting that out on the table talking about it. Uh, the other idea might be, and we share this with couples sometime, the idea of 10 steps to conflict resolution. Right. Uh, it's one of the tools that we use that was originally produced by Preparing Rich. And it's a great tool to give you a framework to talk about things when there's this kind of a difference of opinion. And again, you know, one of you may feel very strongly that is just absolutely wrong, but it may be more of, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And the other parent's saying, well, you know, I, I kind of do, or I think in certain circumstances, you know, so I think a lot of get to the root of where you're strong, beliefs and feelings come from, really examine that and then figure out, is that 
something you might decide to do under certain circumstances. In others, you may not. I, I think definitely we know discipline needs to be as um, detached from an emotional response. And that's really true whether you're choosing to spank or use timeout or remove a privilege or something like that. So I think the the parameters are something that as a couple you can really work through in the sense of at the end of the day, whatever tool you use to discipline your children, um, it's it's a heart change and behavior change you're trying to get at, hopefully, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things I know that we've talked about when we were raising our children is you also got to realize that every child is different and they're yeah. going to respond in a different way. And, you know, I think that's part of the aim of what Proverbs said, train up a child in the way he should go. And it, part of that involves discipline. What does it take to help shape that heart? Yes. But always you want to, as you said, hey, what's your motivation for the discipline? I don't think it's a bad thing. And you just mentioned about try to take the emotion out of it. Because let's face it, as parents, often we are reactionary. Yeah. And that is probably never a healthy way to discipline. But it is okay in a, a delayed consequence. You know, as long as you explain, hey, what you did was wrong. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to deal. And there's going to be consequences later. That can be a very, very powerful tool. Yeah. You know, I remember growing up, it was the whole thing, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> and, you know, well, not a good thing for dad. No, so you're not saying to particularly say it that way, but no. the idea but that, that there idea, will be a consequence. Hey, that there's going to be consequences. Yeah. And, and sometimes that in itself is an incredibly sobering thing for a child. Other things you have to consider, the age of the child. What's appropriate, what what's they can understand. Thing. And there's all sorts of material out there, uh, if you're familiar with Focus on the Family, they have tons of material there on that. And again, that's not that's not an area that we deal with that we have. We've been parents, and you know there are times that we talk about that when we're working with couples. But there's a lot of good resources out there on the best ways to discipline. And I, I th oh, I'm ahead. sorry. I was going to say I just I do think this is not an uncommon topic in the sense of disagreement in areas on parenting. This particular question was driven at the discipline, which is obviously huge. Um, and you definitely, again, from our perspective, the point is, how do you get on the same team? You, you As your child gets older, and let me tell you something, even a little bitty child will figure out that mom gives in and dad doesn't, or vice versa, or grandma gives in and so-and-so, so-and-so. I mean, they figure that out really quickly. So you don't want them to triangle you. You don't want them to pit one parent against the other. You're the parents. You're the team. You set the rules. You set the boundaries. And so this is another place where you can build that. And it may be everything from starting off with discipline to then deciding how you're going to school them and where you want to send them and, you know, a thousand other choices that will come when you're parenting. All right. I think that's hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that, that uh, answered it a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's take on another parenting one. And this is one that sort of looks asking for advice. And, you know, our children are out of the house now. Uh, but the question was, hey, what's one advice that you would have given yourself mm. about marriage when you're in the stage of life when your boys, we had three boys, 
were in middle school, high school age? Hmm. Okay. Well, what would what advice should I have given myself maybe during that time? Yeah, I mean, if you were sort of, almost like the idea we've talked about, if the you now could go back to the you and then know what and, I, yeah. and say something to them or encourage them with something, what might that be? Um. Well, I guess one. You know, we talk about sometime that when your children are little, it's such a twenty four seven because they're so needy. And it's a constant thing. They're at your knees, so to speak. When you shift into middle school and high school, you know, the needs of your children are different. It's not quite 24-7, but it's almost difference in the way you're emotionally connecting and aware of what your kids are doing and all that kind of stuff. So at the same time, the demands on your time may be different in the sense of your marriage and being able to focus on that. But I think you still have to be as mindful because, one, your kids are totally watching. Now, they're watching at five and three also. Right. But when they're 13 and 16, they are so aware, even though they would never let you know it, that they, how their mother and father do and later, these same kids, eight years later, 10 years later, when a couple like Johnny and I are talking with them, because now they're getting married to somebody, and we ask things like, well, tell us how in your home growing up, how did your family handle conflict? What, how did your parents do that? Let me tell you something. They know. They know the answer to that. And they know a whole lot of other things that we're imprinting, whether we realize it or not. So I think... Maybe I would have been more mindful of that. Maybe you're mindful at three and five that you don't want to be fussing in front of your kids or something. And so you're sort of mindful of that. Maybe we don't think about it as much when they're 13. Or maybe we're not thinking as much about how they're going to carry into their relationships one day. Impacts from how we were as a couple and how we model that and that marriage relationship in front of them. Okay. Yeah. I think um, is I that agree. what you're thinking or what yeah, are you I thinking? I agree with you. Um, oh, excellent. You, yeah. You stole my answer. I stole your answer. That is yes. such a shame. Okay. Well, do you have a different one or I no, just took no. it? I think I would say the same thing. I think that I would have been much more aware of how we were modeling in front of our children. Yeah, and part of that in, in involved in that is hey, making sure your marriage is a priority and that your children see that that your marriage comes before your children. Um, but just in all those other areas, and that would include how I treat you, how I was talking to you, you know, all of those things, because that's where your children probably learn it most is from watching their parents and how they handle things. Yeah, that is so true. So little eyes, even when those little eyes are bigger. Um, are still on you. Okay. Uh, we're not going to get to all of these. I can tell you that right now. Um, What's next? So how about let's take this one. All right. Hey, and this one is, is this was I thought was, and there's not bad questions because obviously. They're all great questions. Question, Interesting. There's yeah. something they're thinking about. Hey, if our singular goal as Christians is to make disciples, how does working on our marriage fit within that calling? 
That's a great question. Well, I'm going to say a little answer because I have a feeling like you have a long answer. Um, I feel like you would on this. But anyway, what I would I would say, my I guess my argument to that is the main core relationship outside as a believer, first and foremost, is your relationship with Jesus. Um, secondly, if you are married, it is your spouse. And that is where God intends you first and foremost to minister to one another. And then out of that flow any children that God gives you or brings into your lives. And so then you're ministering to your family. And then out of that flows everything else you do your church relationships, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, other people you do ministry with. But the, the core, the base is initially the marriage. You would never want to have somebody that is down the street ministering to the homeless and the neighbors and this and that and their spouse does not feel loved, cared for, seen, ministered to, the children are not ministered to. So I would argue that it's first and foremost. Okay, I'm that, sorry, that, that was, was long. That was your short answer. Uh, sorry, my bad. That's okay, honey. I Maybe I got on a roll on that one. You do. You can roll all right. Okay. Um, you know, a couple of things. I'm assuming this question when they say, hey, your singular goal, taking that from the Great Commission go out into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. Um, you know, people look at, you know, I've often wrestled, you know, hey, what is our calling? And, you know, I think you start with what Jesus said. They said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Love God. I mean, Paul sort of echoes that when it says, hey, we do everything we do. Uh, we work, we eat, we do our marriage, we raise our children to glorify God, to reflect Him and His nature. Uh, the second greatest commandment, to love others. Now, one of the greatest way to love others is obviously to share the gospel with them. And not just to share the gospel, but then to invest your lives in them in teaching them how to follow Jesus. And I will agree with you that the place that starts is with your spouse. Yeah. The, I see my responsibility, and I think you do as well, is to encourage each other towards spiritual maturity, toward growing, to being the disciple that God's called us to be. And whereas you could call this overall, you know, hey, discipleship model, whatever, you know, so often we think that, well, that's, you know, that's what I do at church. That's what I do with, you know, the youth group or I do with a small group, men's group or a women's group. It starts in the home. Uh, our first responsibilities, as you just mentioned, and our first priorities after our relationship with Christ is our family. And, and that begins with me working with you and challenging and encouraging and you do the same to me, uh, but then to really train our children. And, you know, it would not be, I would be remiss, like you said, if I was ignoring that responsibility with my own family to go and do that with others. That's part of the, one of the biggest challenges I know with me being in ministry was it would be real easy to say, oh, I'm doing God's work and ignore the work that I need to do at home. Well, and I think, unfortunately, 
And it may be better today, but I think through the years, that was unfortunately something that was frequently said about people in the ministry is that their family sometimes looked like the ones who got left out. And I don't think that's, I don't think there's any scriptural principle that um, would not affirm what we've just said in the last couple of minutes about that. And so I think it's a hand in glove thing that you, that again, the core, the place you start from is within the family and whatever, you know, if you happen to be listening and you're not married yet, then obviously those dynamics and the relationships God has you in are going to be different right now. But if you do have a wife or husband and you do have children, then that is, that's where you start it and then it flows from there. Yeah, because we often say, and I know that if you've heard us speak or if you've heard our podcast, um, we talk about how your marriage needs to be a priority, but priority doesn't mean that's the only, that's thing, the only you thing you do in life. Yeah, yeah. It just means that's a first importance. And then what you practice at home, you ought to be practicing those same things in the community, in the mission field that God's put you in. Um, so, uh, I hope those answered, uh, your questions. And for some of you, if you didn't ask the questions, I hope they'll resonate with you. Uh, again, we want to say, hey, thank you for listening to the No Regrets Marriage Podcast. We really do. It really does help us if you can rate us, and that's on whatever platform you're at. If you'll subscribe to us, that helps us in the long run as well. You know, we have a heart for encouraging and strengthening marriages. And uh, if we can do that, the more people we can reach, then uh, we are grateful that God's given us that opportunity. So on that note, we will say uh, see you later. And as always, we challenge you to just keep on forging.